No one will feel the impact of this shift more than God's chosen people, Israel. Looking at Revelation chapter 12, Pastor Phil explains. Daniel's a great parallel text to, uh, to read as you're reading the book of Revelation, especially as we move into the second half of the seven years, because Daniel gives us some real detail that Revelation doesn't about this period and about the Antichrist. But Daniel 11, starting in verse 40, This is talking about the time when the Antichrist begins to show his true colors and becomes a worldwide dictator and murderer. And not everybody in the world is going to follow him, by the way. It's going to create some conflict. But at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships. And he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. Talking about now the Antichrist who is no longer a man of peace, has now turned into a man of war, and he is basically seizing power now. No longer, you know, this kind of a worldwide democracy, you know, all these nations kind of living together in peace. Now he demands to be the ultimate ruler over everything. Not everybody's going to be happy about that. Some are going to try to oppose him. He's going to wipe them out for the most part. He's going to overwhelm many countries, it says, as he passes through. Verse 41, he shall also enter the glorious land. That's a reference to Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these, listen, shall escape from his hand. Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. Those are countries that today are modern-day Jordan. And you will find them to the east and to the south southeast of the Dead Sea. This area uh, to the southeast of the Dead Sea is going to escape the Antichrist. His tentacles are not going to reach down there. That's why we believe the Jews are going to flee there where they're going to be protected. And if you couple that with Isaiah 16, and we'll just read the first four verses, it gives you even greater insight into where in this area they're going to flee to. Isaiah 16, verse 1. Send the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah to the wilderness to the mount of the daughter of Zion, for it shall be as a wandering bird thrown out of the nest. So shall be the daughters of Moab at the fords of the Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make your shadow like the night in the middle of the day. Hide the outcasts. Do not betray them who escapes. Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler, a reference to the Antichrist, for the extortioner is at hand. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. That's really talking about the Antichrist persecution of the Jews. 
and how that many of them are going to flee down to the area of Moab, again, to the southeast of the Dead Sea. There's a very specific place, though, in the country of Moab, modern Jordan, a city that was inhabited at one time, from what I understand, by about 250,000 people. It's called the Rock City of Petra, Okay, made famous with that last Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade, you know. Uh, you saw them at one point towards the end of the movie working their way through this gorge. When you come to the, to the opening that leads to the city of Petra, which is a city carved into the, into the mountains, you get to take a, a gorge about three quarters of a mile uh, into this opening where the city has been carved out of the stone. And sometimes this gorge becomes very narrow, only a few feet wide. It was very hard to attack the city because your forces had to go through a very narrow gorge to get to the city. And, of course, people lived uh, above the gorge. They had uh, carved into the mountain caves, which they used for houses, and they would pour boiling oil down on you and all kinds of things. It was very hard to defeat this city. And so many believe that this is exactly where the Jews are going to flee to, and uh, they're going to take refuge in the rock city of Petra, which is in Moab, modern Jordan, a place that God says the Antichrist will not be able to touch. You say, well, do the Jews know these prophecies, and do they take them seriously? Not all Jews. Many Jews are secular Jews. They have no regard for scriptures and all. They're totally secular. But a lot of Jews do believe in the Hebrew scriptures. In fact, a Jordanian guy told one of our Calvary Chapel pastors a few years ago that from January through June every year, a thousand Jews a day come down to the rock city of Petra to look around. What is the big fascination? Uh, they wanted to make sure they know where this place is. And, you know, if something happens, you know, are they reading these prophecies? I have to believe they are and taking them seriously. As I've told you already, Christian businessmen years ago have stockpiled. I mean, there were 250 to 300,000 people that lived in this city at one time. And I went online today because I've got some pictures in my Bible program that I went online and I accessed a bunch of uh, pictures of Petra because you can find them online. If you Google the Rock City of Petra, you'll come up with all kinds of hits where people have, have uh, taken pictures. And I actually walked through with the photographer step by step through this gorge, where it opened up to that one famous facade that you've seen in the in the Indiana Jones movie, Last Crusade, where you see this incredible carving into the rock there of pillars and things, you know, and and uh, they took us inside there. And uh, but businessmen, Christian Christian businessmen, years ago stockpiled the caves. There's caves everywhere. You look the pictures. There's caves everywhere. People would live years ago in these in these caves. They've stockpiled these caves with food, with Christian tracts written in Hebrew, with, with New Testaments also written in Hebrew. So if these folks are not saved when they run down to Petra for protection, chances are a lot of them are going to get saved. As they read the prophecies in Revelation, as it talks about in chapter 12, the things we're, we're studying right now. You know, very interesting times we're living in. You know, just the anti-Semitism, which is on the rise again, by the way. It's very interesting to me. Well, you know, God gave a prophecy many years ago to Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those 
who curse you, right? Now, one time Great Britain ruled the world. There was an expression, the sun never set in the British Empire. And at one point, towards the end and then of the uh, 19th century into the beginning of the 20th century, they had promised to give Israel a homeland, the Balfour Declaration, right? They reneged on that. And Israel went from, uh, excuse me, Great Britain went from a superpower down to really a third-rate power. Egypt, other kingdoms that persecuted the Jews, went from glory to obscurity. I mean, God has always blessed those nations that bless the Jews. I firmly believe one of the reasons our nation has continued to this point with great blessing, even though we are worthy of God's judgment because of all the immorality and, and all the other garbage going on. We flood the world with pornography. We are a nation that is just sick with sin. And yet God, for the most part, is still blessing us. And I have to believe there's two reasons for that. One, there is no other nation in the world that has sent more missionaries out preaching the gospel than America has. And America has not turned its back on the Jew. Now, I was just reading an article just today about one of Barack Obama's advisors, somebody that will probably make it into his cabinet should he be elected. And he was saying that we ought to turn our backs on the Jews. They're a, tr they're a source of trouble. We should be focusing more on helping the Palestinians and in various other positions that this gentleman has taken that were very anti-Semitic, I shudder to think if we get a president in office who's going to turn his back on the Jews. And we know it's going to happen because Zechariah 12.3 said that the nations of the world are going to come against Jerusalem, all the nations, which means America. So I would suggest you pray very hard that whatever president we get does not turn his back on the Jews. Because if this nation hasn't learned from other nations who have done this very thing and how they have pretty much immediately began to degenerate, disintegrate into nothingness, I am totally convinced if we turn our backs on the Jewish people, if we turn our backs on Israel, I, I, just, I know as surely as I'm standing here, get ready, this nation is going down. It's going down. So may God help us. God is for these people. God has placed his name on the line with Israel. He said, Israel, my glory. You want to know what I'm like? Look at this nation. Look at how I've watched over them, taken care of them, protected them. They should not be in existence today. The fact that the Jewish people, the nation of Israel is in existence today it's no, it, it, it has to be a testimony to the existence of the God of Israel who has set aside these people for a purpose and has promised that he will never break his covenant with them. I mean, God said, if the day comes when I break my covenant with the sun, the moon, and the stars, if they stop shining, then I'll break my covenant with the nation of Israel and they shall cease to be a nation before me forever. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I heard this interesting from a, it's interesting a couple stories actually from um, a gentleman named Avi Lipkin. Avi Lipkin is a, not a, a believer. He's a Jewish gentleman, not a believer in Christ, but 
Uh, he is uh, very high up in the Jewish uh, uh, army and all and commanding officer and has a lot of insights into what's going on. And uh, He was uh, speaking. So he's a very good speaker. I've heard him in person. Very interesting guy. And um, he was speaking somewhere in the States. And um, after he got done talking, he uh, was approached by a gentleman who was a pastor. And, uh, and he said that he at one point had been uh, a commanding officer in the Navy. And the summary from the, from the State Department uh, came to him and said, or a higher up in, uh, in the uh, Navy came to him and said, if you were given, I guess they were, they were uh, uh, kind of interviewing him to become uh, the commanding officer of one of these nuclear uh, battleships. And they said to him, if you were given the order to nuke Israel, would you comply? Interesting question. And this commanding officer said, he laughed. He said, first of all, God will never allow us to nuke. He'd sink the ship first before he'd nuke Israel, allow us to nuke Israel. And so they demoted him. And he wound up, you know, quitting and became a pastor. And Avi Lipkin was telling that story somewhere. After this guy had come, he was somewhere else telling the story. Afterwards, another guy came to him and said, that's exactly what happened to me. I was on a Navy ship. I was being groomed to become a commanding officer. They asked me the very same question. And I gave them the very same answer, and now today I'm a pastor. <laughs> Look, there are people in our State Department who are very anti-Israel. Very anti-Israel. I could tell you stories. You should, really should read Dave Hunt's book, Judgment Day. It, it really gives us some insight. You know, we talk about our nation being pro-Israel. Well, not everybody in this nation. Thank God for the presidents we've had. Not everybody in this nation is pro-Israel. I mean, we have done things in the past we, that we're not a friend of Israel. But because God was a friend of Israel, he did not allow their enemies to defeat them, you know. And if we turn our backs on them, totally. If we get a president and a Congress, along with the State Department, that is anti-Semitic, this nation is in for some very difficult times ahead. The woman fled, Israel fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. What's going on here is this marks the beginning of the final three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period. This now starts the midpoint. The midpoint on through the rest of the tribulation period, the last three and a half years, 1,260 days is the remaining days from the time the Antichrist sets up his image in the Holy of Holies until Jesus returns is going to be three and a half years. Now, some people have trouble reconciling this that God said, and it's not just here he tells us the length of these last part of the tribulation period. He calls it 42 months. He calls it 1260 days. He calls it a time times and half a time. It's the most documented period of time in all the Bible. And some people have a problem because here it clearly says it's going to be 1260 days. But Jesus, when he was talking about this time in Matthew 24, verse 22, he said, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. 
but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, the problem is that they believe what Jesus is saying is that even though God prophesied it was going to be 1260 days, that Christ said, well, God's going to shorten those days. But the Greek is not indicating that what Jesus was saying is that God's going to shorten the days from 1260, which he clearly said was the duration of the last half of the tribulation period. In the Greek, what Jesus is actually saying is, unless those days were shortened, nobody would remain alive on the earth. In other words, if God hadn't already, in eternity past, predetermined that this period of time would only last 1260 days, I mean, if it went on indefinitely, year after year, there'd be nobody left on the face of the earth. This is going to be such a horrific time of cataclysmic judgments and warfare and all kinds of other upheavals that if God hadn't already in his mercy said it's only going to go 1260 days, the human race would be completely wiped out. So that's what that means, all right? Uh, when Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, unless God in his mercy and sovereignty had not shortened this time to 1260 days, praise the Lord, he's not going to let it go on indefinitely because nobody would be left alive on the face of the earth. Well, verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. Can you imagine this? You know, we're the generation that kind of grew up on Star Wars, you know, and, you know, we have that kind of imagery in our minds of, you know, battles that, you know, take place in the universe somewhere where there's, you know, weaponry that we don't even comprehend how it could be. What about a war in heaven? All right. That's the real Star Wars. I mean, the things that have taken place in the angelic realm. And by the way, this kind of thing goes on all the time. All right. That where you have uh, warfare in heaven, in, in the heavenlies, in the spirit realm. I'll give you one, and you know the story out of Daniel 10, right? You have to turn there, but Daniel received a message. It doesn't say it was from the Lord, but we assume it was. It troubled him. He didn't quite understand what the message meant. And so he set himself to fasting and praying to find out from God what exactly God intended uh, for Daniel when he gave him this message. And Daniel fasted and prayed for three weeks. And then one day, standing by a river there in Babylon, an angel appears to Daniel. Freaks out, everybody. I mean, these other guys that were with Daniel, they took off, and Daniel was the only one who could really uh, interact with the angel. But the angel said something very interesting. He said, Daniel, I want you to know, from the very first day, you set yourself to fasting and praying. God dispatched me with your answer. But I was, I was um, upheld. I, I was in battle for 21 days with the prince of Persia. Now, that's a, a way of put, uh, saying the, the demonic power over the kingdom of Persia. Uh, Daniel was in Babylon. By this time, the Medes and the Persians had taken over the known world. So they were the ruling empire at this time. It's interesting, the angel said, there is a demonic entity, a fallen angel, some very powerful spirit being, malevolent being, that was over the kingdom of Persia, trying to withhold or trying to counteract 
the purposes of God. God wanted to get his servant a message. God dispatched an angel. This prince of Persia attacked, and for 21 days they were battling it out in the heavenlies. Until the angel said, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I broke through the battle lines, and I have come now with the answer to your prayer. I wonder what kind of a malevolent being is in control of America. We call ourselves a Christian nation. Folks, I hope you have understand that that's not true. We've never really been a Christian nation. The only Christian nation that's ever going to be is when Christ comes back to, to govern the planet. We thank God for the godly heritage we do have, but we really have never really been a Christian nation in the sense that God is, was really over everything, and everything we did was always with God in, as the focus. We look forward to the time when Christ will return to establish truly a kingdom of righteousness. But I'm wondering how many of God's people's prayers have been hindered by this malevolent being and his forces because we just gave up too quickly. We didn't pray long enough for, you know, in the heavenly realm, for the answer to our prayers to break through. And, you know, I'm convinced we quit way too early when we're trying to seek God for an answer to something or the salvation of a loved one or an election coming up or something. And this should tell us that, you know, this these battles in the spirit realm are very real. They happen all the time. In fact, the angels said, now after I'm done with you, Daniel, I've got to go back and fight with the prince of Persia and also with the prince of Greece. Greece wasn't even going to be an empire for the next two, two or three hundred years. Already the demonic entity that was going to be over the next world empire was already in place. Isn't that interesting? Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the uh, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Look, I don't know what political party you belong to, but your, your enemies are not those of the other political party. Our enemies really are not the pornographers or the liquor industry or Hollywood or the casinos. Our enemy, the ones that we fight against, are the, the demons in the spirit realm that are energizing these folks. These people need prayer. They need salvation. They're pawns in the devil's hands like we were at one time. Thank God somebody was praying for us, right? So pray for these people. They need salvation. Our true battle is not with flesh and blood. It is with principalities and powers, demonic entities in the spirit realm that are opposing us and fighting against the purposes of God, etc. So at this point, war breaks out in heaven. This is the midpoint of the last seven years. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Well, this parallels something that was prophesied in Daniel 12, verse 1. It says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. He's talking to Daniel now. Michael the archangel is always associated with the nation of Israel. He is the guardian angel, if you will, of the nation of Israel. That is the group of people he's assigned to. So he's always working on behalf of Israel. He's always fighting for them. 
He is always, you know, working behind the scenes to to do good for them. And uh, Daniel says, uh, at that time, Michael will stand up, the great prince, who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. This coincides with what Jesus said in Matthew 24 about this last half of the tribulation period, what we call the Great Tribulation. He said there's, there's never been a time like it since the foundation of the world, nor will there ever be a time like it after that point in the way of tribulation and just horrific things that are going to take place. So this is going to be a very, very difficult time for the people of this earth. And Michael here stands up. Michael's name means who is like God. And he's fighting against the one who said, I will be like the Most High. You've been listening to Day by Day, the verse-by-verse Bible teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, with Pastor Phil Ballmeyer. Today's message, as well as many other studies, can be heard and downloaded free of charge from our website at daybydayradio.org. From our website, you can contact us, order resources, read Pastor Phil's blog, and also subscribe to our daily podcast. We hope you'll pay us a visit. And remember to join us for Day by Day, Monday through Friday, here on this station. Thanks again for listening, and please join us again next time as we continue to study God's Word. Until then, may the Lord richly bless you and guide your steps as you walk with Him day by day. day, by day.